Welcome to This Osteopathic Life. This is Dr. Amelia Beakey. I'm honored to share with you the philosophy that has underscored my personal and professional life and explore how osteopathy truly is for the health of all things. I see these principles in action every day in my varied roles as physician, parent, athlete, writer, musician, coach, and entrepreneur, and hope they will light the way for the path to your best health. Please note that while I am a physician, this podcast is intended to share general information and encourage discussion about medicine, health, and related subjects. The content provided in this podcast and in any linked materials is not intended and should not be construed as medical advice. Thank you for joining me for episode 35 of season one of This Osteopathic Life. Once again, the content for this week's episode has evolved even just in the last 12 to 24 hours as I prepared to record it and was surprised by how things aligned and perhaps maybe shouldn't be quite so much anymore. And so where I thought the concept for today would begin may come up later, but I'm going to be mindful of the time. As I noted at the beginning of this season, I'd like to stay 33 minutes or shorter for the podcast for optimal listening time. And so we'll see where this one goes, but kind of the unfolding of events in the last couple days here have reinforced for me where I would like to begin. And interestingly enough, we're back in physics for a bit of this discussion, an area I didn't anticipate coming up so frequently in the podcasts, but I'll embrace it as it comes. So where I'd like to begin today is with a recent experience I've been having going through a meditation course. And I believe I've mentioned this book before and I can re uh, place the link in the show notes here today. Stress Less, Accomplish More by Emily Fletcher, which was recommended and mentioned during a lecture series in which I participated and when I was listening to a fellow physician. She recommended this as a resource to learn the skills for mindfulness meditation and manifesting. And that was back in August and I obtained the book at the end of that month when I was on the first health policy fellowship trip in Columbus. And that was its own little victory. It was in this quirky bookstore. It's essentially a maze, you know, 20 plus sections and not necessarily in the way you might organize it. So I told myself if I could find this book on my own, I would get it. And I did and I obtained it and I read it. And as it was stated in the book, If you didn't schedule and didn't write down the meditation sessions as they were recommended, you were likely not to do them. And so that was August, and then this was November, and I hadn't done them, and something prompted me, I think an online piece or maybe something on social media that reads your mind, hears your conversations, and loads up an ad And this technique, which is known as Ziva meditation, Z-I-V-A, came up as having, you know, a Black Friday-esque sale. And so I thought, 
Perhaps this would make it more accountable for me. You do some more engagement with the training. You pay a fee. You know, you have some skin in the game, so maybe you're more likely to participate. And so I started it on December 1st. And it's been an interesting experience. I have attempted meditating a few different times in my life, not successfully. I would often just fall asleep and then wasn't as consistent with it as I might have liked. And so with this one, you you check in every day, you can find an accountability partner, you write it down. And so I've been keeping up with it, keeping up with these lessons and meditations. And I'm not entirely sure what's evolving from it, but it's been eight days and I don't expect you know, the world to change dramatically in that time. But I'm appreciating the experience. And as a side note, I elected to do one of my meditations on the rowing machine, uh, the erg, in the gym the other night, just because I was doing this challenge for rowing meters. I had my second meditation to finish. So I put my earphones in and... Um, did the meditation while rowing, which maybe might not technically meet all the requirements, but it was fascinating because I was able to kind of tune out the noise around me and it was the most relaxed and the fastest 4,000 meters has ever passed on the rower with my eyes closed and holding onto a mantra and letting thoughts move through as they will. So perhaps I've tapped into a little bonus resource. In that same rowing time, which was longer than the meditation, I listened to an episode of Oprah's Super Soul Conversations, and it was talking about Newton's third law, which is for every action, there is an equal and opposite reaction. And when we think about this as far as objects in motion, um, you can think about, you know, you sit on a chair and there's an equal force coming up against you so that you don't just fall through or fall to the floor. And it was referenced in this podcast episode relative to relationships. And this was interesting to me. I hadn't really thought of this law of physics and motion relating to relationships and people which led me to investigate further different articles that have come and I'll post a few here. One of which was simply applying the most basic version of the principle. And if you put your hand up against another person's hand and applied pressure, the most likely thing to happen is that they would press back against you. You know, Maybe they might not and they'd behave unexpectedly and not put any pressure and you would knock them over or fall over yourself. But for the most part, if you put your hand up another person put their hand against yours, you applied some pressure, they would likely probably pressure to meet you. That's its simplest form involving two people interacting. But further into this episode, they talked more about behaviors and principles of attraction, not so much in a romantic relationship, but as far as what energy you bring to yourself and what we're responsible for. And the flip side of that is also what we might be able to control in a more positive way and how we can take more ownership and more critical in live action in creating and cultivating and maintaining our relationships. 
And I sat with this because I had another 6,000 meters to go as I listened to this podcast and what that meant and how I could evaluate some experiences in my own life with that. And during the course of this, people phone in or in the audience and sharing some of their experiences and looking at when you know, negative people show up in their life and whether they're willing to tolerate them was the first step, but taking it a step further was to say, whether or not you're willing to tolerate them, why are they there in the first place? You know, what energy are you putting out that's inviting or making space for these people and that type of behavior into your life? And that one I had to pause for a bit and think about and examine in my own life, you know, times when there's a person who might be frustrating or challenging or with whom you disagree, but taking one step back or one step beyond and saying, what is it that I'm putting out into the universe or into this circle with this person that's making the space for them in my life, that's making the opportunity for their behavior to persist? And what can I do to change that? And recognizing again that what we can change is within ourselves. You know, what energy and attitude and behavior we're bringing into that relationship, into that realm, into that energetic circle. And how can we modify it to match that which we would hope for ourselves? And as I researched this yesterday, it didn't quite all come together. And it's still formulating just now. But the interesting prompt came this morning. So last night I wanted to record the podcast. It didn't all kind of gel. And then it was late. And I thought I'll just leave it and you know see what transpires in the morning. And so this morning, when I got up, I went to do my meditation lesson. And there's often a quote, you know, some kind of motivational, thoughtful quote at the top. And oftentimes it correlates with the lesson that's going to commence. But at the top of this lesson, simply said, for every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction, Newton's third law. And really the topic had nothing to do with it. And so I looked at it again and I thought, well, this is so strange because, you know, my sequence of bed meditation, Oprah's podcast with Newton's law, which had nothing to do with meditation as so I thought at that time. And then there it was. And so it prompted me that, yes, this topic would be worthy to come up in the podcast and to begin to think about it, how it extends to our personal relationships, and then looking at it in the osteopathic realm as well. And this does tie in to the original thought that I had for this podcast episode, so we will get there. And what I thought about as far as creating that space and who we end up working with and the type of patients that we see and perhaps even the type of treatment that we do, particularly in my specialty of neuromusculoskeletal medicine and osteopathic manipulative medicine. And it does come in part from who we are and how we are and what treatments 
that we implement, that we can cultivate this patient panel. And oftentimes referrals will come from word of mouth. Patients recommend you know, the evaluation and treatment as it is indicated to their friends or family members you know, physicians who've had patients have success or for other patients or come themselves. And so we're creating this opportunity and having worked with a number of different colleagues in my specialty who practice in a variety of ways, different styles and flavors of treatment and practice tend to have a particular patient panel. You know, when we put this action out and have you know, equal, we're always about opposite, but there's a reaction that comes as a response to what we're doing in the first place. And how this came up for me was in a conversation where a person was asking me how I came to my style of treatment. So often I'll come to the question of how did I decide to be a DO or choose this specialty, but this was much more specific about why I treat the way that I do. And for those patients who might have experienced treatment with different clinicians um, in my group or folks who have seen osteopathic physicians throughout the country and might have relocated and have a sense of how treatment can be or have seen folks in other hands-on specialties and professions, you know, wonder how you learn what you learn. And so as I reflect on that, I come back to where I began in osteopathic medical school. And mine was a particularly biomechanical model and used a lot of muscle energy technique, which is a direct technique, which involves taking things to the barrier where they don't like to go and having the patient apply force and you apply resistance. So there's that um, action and reaction And it was all well and good, you know, and I learned the model and I applied the techniques and had reasonable success with them. And I was very active on campus with a number of these physicians who practiced in this way. But throughout, it always felt like there was something else. And I didn't necessarily have the words for it. And it didn't seem like it matched necessarily what was happening. But there were times when I would treat, say, a patient in our student clinic or a family member when I was home on vacation And I wouldn't necessarily use these specific techniques I had been taught. And often it'd be a more subtle treatment, but things would improve. People would report less pain or less tenderness on recheck. And to me, there was better motion on exam. And so I would test these things, but also kind of wonder, you know, what is it that I'm feeling? Is this appropriate? Is this legitimate treatment? You know, how does this work? And it was on arriving to my base hospital in the third year of medical school where I was given acknowledgement and some validation and witnessed others treating with different styles that made me think and realize that, yes, you know, this is another way. You know, it isn't all about this one style of treatment. And there's opportunity to explore and to expand. And in telling that story, I am often challenged because the person who gave me that acknowledgement 
also was part of a lot of challenges in my um, learning and education and overall journey in osteopathic medicine. As I was telling the story, I kind of bring that piece up and it's reflected back to me that maybe it's not necessary to know that there were challenges involved in that person's role can just be acknowledged for what it was and the opportunity that it brought and the validation that accompanied allowing me to more fully step into what would become my specialty and my profession and my life's work. And I sat with that for a while. I sit with a lot of things or I exercise with a lot of things moving around in my brain. And as I thought about it further, it's okay you know, for there to be a challenging part of the story and for it not to have been perfect or have the outcome that you might have hoped. And then there can still be good in the moment of the experience that allowed you to turn the corner and step farther into your path. And so just thinking about that led me to a few quotes online. And this one, I have no one to credit for it. It came up a number of times, never with an originating source. So I'll just note these are not my original words, but I thought that they spoke well to what I was experiencing and kind of the retelling of my story and entering into the style of treatment that I use and continue to refine to this day. You have to take the good with the bad, smile when you're sad, love what you've got, and remember what you've had. Always forgive, but never forget. Learn from mistakes, but never regret. People change. Things go wrong. Just remember, life goes on. And if you're of my generation or thereabouts, it's led me to the facts of life, right? The opening song for that show. I'm looking them up more completely. They include this. Take the good, take the bad, take them both, and there you have the facts of life. When the world never seems to be living up to your dreams and suddenly you're finding out the facts of life are all about you. And so thinking about that call to action and the reaction that comes from others because of the energy that's being put out, you know, that you have responsibility for those you're attracting into your life. And that can be good and bad. You know, and there can be undulating times for that to occur. And there may be time when a person was meant to be in your life and bring about a change. And then when it shifts and it no longer becomes a positive relationship, maybe that fades away. They coast down the hill and move on and your circle moves in another direction or maybe better visual is the spiral. You're moving around and we may intersect again, but for a time, we're not meant to. We're meant to be on different parts of the path. And there was a quote further by Steve Maraboli, M-A-R-A-B-O-L-I, who's apparently a very famous and quotable coach and a business consultation leader that says, letting go means to come to the realization that some people are a part of your history, but not a part of your destiny. And so learning to align those and find where 
it's okay for things to have happened and for them to be part of the past and for them to be built upon. And in last episode, I talked about Nako and his lyrics and his song, Thankful. And it talks about how even the most challenging parts of our past, we can acknowledge and own and even be grateful for, for what they have served as the foundation to bring us to who we are in this present moment. So all of this began really from that conversation about why I treat as I do in the style of treatment. I've talked about it a bit in previous episodes and you know, seeing colleagues who shared similar origins and on the surface appeared to be very different in their styles, but ultimately retreating to the health and the same where I am clinically now, there are six of us. And you know, there are some likenesses and there are a lot of differences in how we treat. And that's the style. And I like to think of it as the language that we have learned to communicate health with our patients. And we can all be using different vantage points and different methods and still come to the same, I don't want to say conclusion, but still move toward the same goal of optimizing health in that way. And we happened to have our clinic lunch this past week. We were having a discussion you know, about some different courses we'd been on and you know, some folks who were skeptical of the more indirect techniques, and, but then we're seeing differences and able to kind of validate the findings they were having. And in a moment, my response and reaction was, well, in the end, there are no techniques. You know, there's just health. And maybe the refinement is, it's not about the techniques, it's about the health. Because certainly there are techniques. There are books written on them and we learn them. And that's not inappropriate, but it's a jumping off point. It's a launch pad. It's a framework. It's the scales that allow you to learn the notes so that you can play the symphony ultimately or ideally just play by ear and from your heart listening to the patient in their story, in the exam, in their response, seeing what the reaction is to the action that you're taking with them in that evaluation and in the treatment. And whatever you need, however you are able to understand and engage in that communication is the style that you're developing and that will likely continue to refine. But ultimately, it's about the health and how you're best able to tap into that. And so as I considered that response, I went back through and investigated some of the direct quotes from A.T. Still, developer of osteopathy. And I'll read a few to you now, and we can see kind of what discussion that might drum up or what feelings that evokes and what it challenges us to continue to do. So from his book, The Philosophy of Osteopathy, he says, 
I spent 30 years of my life reading and following rules and remedies used for curing and learned in sorrow it was useless to listen to their claims. I asked for and obtained a mental divorce from them, and I want it to be understood that drugs and I are as far apart as the East is from the West. Now and forever, I will follow the dictates of nature. Now that can be a powerful statement. It can read as a dangerous statement if we put it through the modern lens. Remembering again, this is civil war medicine and the drugs that were available at that time were largely toxic and sometimes fatal. And it's also interesting to think here, as far apart as the East is from the West, we've certainly also narrowed our world, right? At that point, there was never an option to get from the East Coast to the West Coast of the United States in a day as we can now, or across the globe, you know, by any realm of the practical imagination, which might be an oxymoron. <clears throat> it's also something to think about you know, as osteopathic physicians, we follow the standards of medicine and we use evidence-based medicine to practice appropriately. And that's still appropriate. I think it's still always appropriate to look with the great detail and discernment at the resources and what are they saying and who is saying them and what is the motivating factor. And from this, at least that final line we can still adhere to very directly. I will follow the dictates of nature. So through all of it, through all of the evidence and treatment possibilities, we're still honoring the capacity of the body to be well. And we are still called to do that. And perhaps it's a more challenging experience now with all the information that exists and the studies in the developments in the life-saving medications and surgical procedures that we have, but we are still called to marry that to the dictates of nature in our patient. From research and practice, it says, there is no part which, if affected by disease, does not present a philosophical question to be answered by an engineer and not by an imitator nor a masseur. And just to tap onto that one before I get into a discussion from autobiography, an osteopath is only a human engineer who should understand all laws governing his engine and thereby master disease. And so this is one, or these two, give us that credence that we are responsible to be extremely knowledgeable about the human body and disease that can affect it. And again, in modern times, all the treatments that are available and how to best serve them to complement you know, medication and surgery as appropriate with osteopathic treatment if that's indicated and be the knowledgeable master of that. And it isn't just moving some parts around and applying some pressure here and hoping for the best. You know, it is thoughtful and intelligent treatment that's truly aimed at affecting the physiology of the system to invite the body to eradicate disease and return to health. Note in here, there's no description of a specific technique that's to be used to do any of this, 
Okay, this is talking on a very global scale. From autobiography as well, you should know the cause of a disease and be able to remove it. You know the course of an artery, nerve, and vein, and before you take your hands off, should know that you have removed all obstructions to the nerve, vein, and artery, giving force and nourishment to the depleted locality. Again, optimize flow to the area in whatever way you need to get there, but leave that body in its state of function, of open movement. Any variation from health has a cause, and the cause has a location. It is the business of the osteopath to locate and remove it, doing away with disease and getting health instead. Okay? So there's a source, right? There's something in the system that's not doing what it's meant to do, and the work of the osteopath is to encourage it back to that. You will find that all men are successes or failures. Success is the stamp of truth. I will say all men who fail to place their feet on the dome of facts do so by not sieving all truth and throwing the faulty to one side. So again, the call to be skeptical and seek the truth at the baseline is where we are. When you've adjusted the physical to its normal demands, nature supplies the remainder. And this is where I come back when my patients say, you fixed this, or I want you to fix me. It's always important to acknowledge that we're helping to restore the physical to the normal, acknowledging the abnormal, encouraging and making change as we're able with whatever technique we use that works for us, works for that patient in that moment. And then nature and the patient and their health are really doing the rest. The final quote, and this is still gender specific in this time, and I'm just going to read it as it's quoted. We can acknowledge now that this applies to men and women in this experience. When a man works with his hand, he is a laborer. When he works with his hands and his mind, he is a craftsman. When he works with his hands, his mind, and his heart, he is an artist. And in this piece, you know, there's artistic license. There's room and space and ability to be creative, to understand the baseline and the structure and then grow from there and utilize your unique skills to serve the patient. So from this, I encourage myself and my colleagues in those training in osteopathic medicine that at the end of the day, it's about inviting, encouraging, nurturing the health. And the techniques that you use to get there are going to depend on your experience and your training and your comfort and what works for you and what works for that patient. And it might change patient to patient. And having a broad toolbox of options is great. And being open to continuing to develop them and to be creative so that you aren't boxed in by a certain cookbook, recipe, and rather able to play a bit by ear when you need to, knowing that you're basing it on these solid foundational principles. And finally, to let go of perhaps the negative in our story and just own 
that there are pieces of our history that have brought us to where we are and we can offer gratitude for them and move forward with their knowledge where they have brought us today. And then finally tying it all back together with Newton's third law, back to physics. For every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. And listening for what personal responsibility we might have in the people, in the presence, in the energy and experience that we're having. And if we'd like it to change, begin that shift from within. Thank you for joining me for this episode of This Osteopathic Life. This is Dr. Amelia Beakey. Thank you for listening.